We're continuing our series today in the book of Philippians, and we're looking at Philippians chapter 2, verses 5 to 13. The Apostle Paul writes, in your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant. Being made in human likeness and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself, becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow, in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Therefore, my dear friends, as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you to will and to act in order to fulfill his good purpose. I want to talk to you today about the power of example. I went on an amazing date last week. It was with Emily, my wife. Don't worry, just in case you were thinking anything different. Uh, it was sort of a Valentine's Day date, but it was kind of the night before because unfortunately I'd sort of double booked myself and I was playing football on Valentine's Day night. I did score two great goals, though. It was worth it for that. But just a tip to you gents, just don't book yourself on Valentine's Day night. I don't think Emily was very happy. But the night before Valentine's Day night, we found this wonderful restaurant, and uh, we went in. It was beautiful. It was candlelit. There was enough people to have an atmosphere, but not so busy that it was too uh, congested. And the waitress introduced us uh, to the table that she had prepared for us. And we sort of like, I thought, oh, that, that's kind of a good table. It was kind of squeezed in this corner. And so I thought, oh, because it's a bit tight around the back, I'll, I'll go and try and squeeze in. So I sort of squeezed myself in. And as I was sort of squeezing myself in, Emily, she wasn't really doing anything. I thought she was just going to sit opposite me. But she was looking all sort of like anxious and, and jittery. And I thought, oh, that, that's, that's a bit strange. She sort of caught my eye and she was kind of doing that thing that, wives do sometimes, trying to communicate a whole bunch of stuff. So I sort of stood up and she said, oh, do you, can, I, can I sit there? And in that moment, I realized that I'd forgotten that Emily loves to be able to see all the entrances, all the exits of anywhere that we go. She does like a risk assessment on anything that we do. If we go on holiday, if we're on an airplane, if we're staying in a new place. I'd forgotten, but I know the reason why she does it. Her dad, as former uh, Deputy Assistant Commissioner of the Met Police, has set her an example of doing a risk assessment just in case there's a terror threat, uh, a suspect in the building, so that you can see all the entrances and the exits and so that you can get out. You see, his example has had a powerful effect on her life. We can probably all think of people who've been role models to us, people who've set an example for us 
in our lives. In my Christian life, I've had the privilege of working for some amazing leaders. Uh, when Emily and I were with an organization called Soul Survivor, we worked with Mike Pilavachi, we were in Oxford at St. Aldate's Church, Charlie and Anita Cleverly, and then here at HTB, seeing Nikki and Scylla Lee, and of course, Nikki and Pippa Gumbel, just the way that they lead, the way they live their lives, the way that they follow Jesus. Their example has been such an inspiration to me. In leadership, example isn't everything. It is the only thing. See, how you live affects others. How you act, how you behave is like a mirror to the people who are closest to you. In fact, psychologists, neuroscientists, they tell us that we have mirror cells in our brains. What that means is, is that we become like the people we spend time with. Your friends become like you because they mirror your behavior. That's why the Bible says things like bad company corrupts good character. Or more positively, walk with the wise and you will be wise. Like it or not, you are leading by example. You don't get to choose. But you do get to choose what kind of example you want to be whether you're gonna be a good example or a bad example. The most valuable gift anyone can give somebody else is to be a good example. As a spouse for your husband or your wife, as a neighbor, whether you're a boss or a teacher, a student, a pupil, a friend, your example has immense power. Of course, nowhere is this more the case than with parents and children. If you're a parent here, you'll know that your children are always watching what you do. I, I know you wouldn't really think so, um, and you, you can't really tell, but I, every morning I, I try and do a little sort of workout. That lady back there, she laughed way too hard. <laughs> I, I, know, I know it's difficult to tell. I try and do 45 minutes spiritual fitness where I listen to the Bible in one year and do a little bit of praying. And then I try and do 45 minutes physical fitness. Uh, Ashley Conrad, clutch daily workout on YouTube. Uh, if any of you have a personal trainer, by the way, you can save a lot of money just watching YouTube uh, in the mornings. But I was amazed the other day, I walked into my son's bedroom, he's nine years old, and I found him, he was in the plank position. <laughs> and he flipped himself over, he started doing sit-ups, and he was going, this is the Bible in one year, day 54. <laughs> he was reciting and following my example. Our children watch what we do. Perhaps more scarily, our children listen to the things that we say. There were two young children uh, in nursery and they were arguing a little bit and the teacher said, look, why don't you just stop arguing? And the little girl turned around and said, we're not arguing, we're just playing mums and dads. <laughs> just as children watch their parents 
employees watch their bosses. If the boss arrives late, the employees think it might be okay to arrive late. If the boss cuts corners, the employees think it's okay to cut corners. If the boss doesn't act with integrity, the employees think they don't perhaps need to act with integrity. If the boss is a workaholic, the employees will feel obliged to be a workaholic. Survey in America asked workers to select one trait that was the most important for a person to lead them. The number one response was leading by example. This was even higher than strong morals or strong ethics. Nothing is so contagious as the power of example. Last week, we saw Paul, the writer of this letter to the church in Philippi, the Philippians. He's setting an example to them as to how to respond in tough times. Paul's writing this letter from prison. He's under house arrest. He's chained to a prison guard. But the real question is, who's chained to who? Is Paul chained to the guard or is the guard chained to Paul? You see, Paul sees his chains not as a hindrance, but as an opportunity to further the gospel. He sets an example to the believers of choosing joy in the midst of suffering, putting his hope and trust in God, whatever his circumstance. Whatever your circumstances today, what opposition you might be facing today in your work or maybe in health or with your finances in relationships. Choose to use your opposition as an opportunity for the gospel, trusting in God's faithfulness and his plan for your life. From Paul's own circumstances, he turns his attention now in chapter two to Jesus as the supreme example of how we should live. In verse five, Paul says, in your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. In another translation, he says, your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus. John Maxwell, the leading uh, consultant on management and leadership, he says, attitude is the extra plus in leadership We're to have a positive attitude. We're to follow Paul's example and supremely follow Jesus's example. And one of the key characteristics of Jesus that we are to follow is his example of serving. It says, who being in very nature God, Jesus did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking on the very nature of a servant. If you wanna be a godly example to the people around you, if you want to lead others, if you want to have influence and impact on those that you come into contact with, serve. Humble yourselves and serve like Jesus. There is no greater example in the history of the world than the example of Jesus. And no one has had a greater impact than Jesus. In 2009, uh, Andy Stanley, who's the senior pastor of North Point 
church, one of the largest and most influential churches in North America. He was invited to speak at Barack Obama's inauguration as president. And he decided to speak on the passage in John 13 where Jesus washes his disciples' feet. And as he was preparing, he was asking himself this question. What do you do when you realize that you're the most powerful person in the room? In nearly every situation the president would be in, the most powerful person in the room. And the answer came from this passage in John's Gospel. You leverage your power for the benefit of others. That was his encouragement to Barack Obama, arguably the most powerful person on the planet at that time. Use whatever power you have to serve other people. He was encouraging him to follow Jesus' example of humility, of obedience, of service. In that passage, it says, Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power. And the next thing he does is wash his friend's feet. The one who created the whole of the universe. The one whom all authority had been given to. The one who was all powerful and yet he washes feet. You see, everything was under him but nothing was beneath him. Jesus was completely secure in his position. He didn't have anything to prove. He didn't have to justify himself. He wasn't so full of himself that he couldn't empty himself for the sake of serving others. How many times are we perhaps in situations where we feel in some way we have to prove ourselves? We have to justify our position or our status. Perhaps in our work or in our relationships, trying to get above other people. That's not the example of Jesus. You see, we're called, Jesus says, to follow him. He says, I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. Why is that? The world is more impressed by the power of our example than the example of our power. Use what little power you have to serve others. This is what we're called to as a church. This is our, our vision as a community together. Each of us playing our part in the evangelization of the nation, the revitalization of the church, the transformation of society as we go out from this place, making a difference, having an impact. How do we do that? Well, it's everyone praying, everyone giving, and everyone serving. Giving, praying, serving. GPS. That's the navigation system for our lives. You see, we are part of something absolutely extraordinary that's happening in this nation, in our city, all around the world, actually. You know, over 29 million people have done Alpha. You may not always feel it, but because of your praying, your serving, your giving, you are shaping history. You are changing destiny for individuals and for communities. 
Just think of all the church plants that have recently gone out from this place. About nine, 10 years ago, Brighton planted the first one outside of London. Brighton is different because of your praying, serving, and giving. Southampton is different. Derby is different. Birmingham is different. Swindon is different. Bristol is different. Southampton is different. And so it continues. This is our story. The kingdom of God is advancing through your serving. Last term, we were so encouraged that the number of people coming on our Alpha course here at HDB was up 40% on the term before. People coming for the first time and encountering Jesus. And every term, I love hearing those stories of people whose lives have been changed, transformed by Jesus, by encountering him, hearing about him, receiving the Holy Spirit. The relentless pursuit of those outside, being welcomed in, welcomed home. That's what we are about as a church. I love those alpha stories and it, it, it might sound silly, but in many ways I'm often quite envious of those stories. It's often people who've, uh, you know, just led kind of a perhaps checkered history in the past and now they've met Jesus and their whole life is on a new trajectory. In fact, I often joke with Emily. Uh, she has this great line every time she speaks. She says, I didn't grow up in a Christian home. I always think that sounds quite exciting. You wanna know, well, what happened? What did you do? Were you sort of a criminal or something? <laughs> but you see, my story is completely the opposite to that. I did grow up in a Christian home. I've always gone to church my whole life. My dad was a finance director of a London shipping company. My mum was a managing director of a doctor's surgery. And every week we went to our local church, St. Andrews in Chorleywood. You see, it wasn't a weekly decision, depending on who was speaking or what the church was doing. It was a weekly habit. It was just what we did as a family. And I don't think I realized it at the time, but my Mum and my dad, they modeled to me what it means to serve. My dad was at one stage the treasurer of the church. He was on the church council. He was part of the worship, he was in the choir. My mum, she helped with the kids' work, with pastoral visits, praying for the sick, ministry teams. They led a home group together. They were on the coffee rotor. They hosted people, they had people stay in their home. They, planned events, they gave, they prayed, and they served. Now my mum and dad, they're in their 80s, and they are still going strong. In fact, they come and they help serve on our older person's concert and tea that we have down at one of our sites, HDB Onslow Square. You know, in their local church, they're mentoring, they're hosting, they're pastoring people, they're praying for people. Since 1989, Every summer, they have been down on the site where their church's summer conferences take place. You see, this isn't a yearly decision for them. This is a yearly habit. They choose to go and to serve. They've never been employed by the church, but they have made a massive difference to the church. And actually, the, the power of their example has had a huge impact on my life. 
And that's the kind of example that I want to provide for my children, to develop this habit of serving. And I'm, I'm convinced that the, the strength of their faith is strongly correlated to their serving. If you want to grow in your faith in Jesus, if you want to develop as a disciple, if you want to grow in character, serve. If you're not doing anything, can I encourage you, maybe just start small. Small things done consistently over time have a huge impact. How is it that God might be asking you to use your time, your gifts, your skills, your talents? Maybe you can help in one of the areas in the church, the kids, youth, students, maybe hosting people and they come from all over the world for the leadership conference. Maybe coming to focus, serving, getting involved, being part of the community. Don't decide on whether you like the speakers or whether you know the weather's gonna be good or bad. Just make it a habit to come and to serve. I loved hearing about a couple who comes uh, to this church. They've been coming for four years. They've been praying, they've been giving to the church, but it was only recently that they realized, oh, God is calling us to get involved through serving. Heard of another man who, he'd been involved with the, the cafe and he was helping on Sundays, but he came up to one of our team and he said, look, I'm, I'm an interior designer for five-star luxury hotels. I really wanna use my gifts and my skills in this area as well. It was amazing, we can use his gifts, his skills. We've hooked him up with the person who looks at all the interior design of our different sites, our offices, all the different plans that we're making. Serving isn't just about getting stuff done, it's about discipleship. It's about our worship. And as your, your pastor, I suppose, I wanna say to you, serve. It'll change your worshiping life. Oswald Chambers, he says, service is the overflow of superabounding devotion. Our serving has to come from the heart. Somebody once said, you only know how much of a servant heart you've got when someone treats you like a servant. I thought I was pretty good at serving. The other day when my kids had left for school, all of the breakfast stuff was strewn all over the table. Empty milk bottles, cereal packets tipped over. I was really grumpy. I was like, treat me like, a, treat me like a servant. They treat this place like a hotel. I suddenly realized, oh, my servant heart. Now, we've got to work a bit on their kind of teenage behavior, yes, but actually it exposed something in me. Am I willing to serve? Am I willing to lay myself down? And of course, it's not just in the church we're called to be an example in our serving to the world. In the Old Testament, the people of God, they were heralded as an example to the world. They were the light for the Gentiles. And we as the church, we are to be an example to the world. How we serve in our communities, in our schools, in our workplaces. What would it look like for you tomorrow in your workplace to serve your colleagues, your boss, 
In most workplaces, there is a kitchen because we love tea, we love coffee in this country. And there's also mostly a huge number of mugs that are unwashed up. I challenge you tomorrow, take a moment and wash all those mugs up in your work kitchen. Take that person out for lunch, your colleague who you find just a tiny bit annoying. Do that task at work that nobody else really wants to do. Perhaps in your school or in your college, choose to talk to that person who's on their own. Choose to serve. Maybe in your family, your siblings, whatever it looks like for you. You see, what you do is far more important than what you say. Follow Jesus' example. Think about what it means to serve the poor in your community, maybe down at our homeless shelter. You see, you can't make someone nice. You can't make them good. You can't change what they believe. But by your example, your kindness, your time, your love, perhaps eventually that will be enough that they will choose to do those things to believe those things. In this passage, in verse 12, Paul says, therefore, my dear friends, as you have always obeyed, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Just notice that he doesn't say work for your salvation. He says work out your salvation. Consider this like a workout every day. And it's all an overflow of the heart. We serve because Jesus has first served us. His ultimate act of service was to give his life for the sake of the whole world, for you and for me, that we might know forgiveness, we might know freedom, we might know acceptance in Jesus' name. Paul says he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death even death on a cross. People may doubt what leaders say, but they believe in what they do. Jesus laid down his life to serve each one of us. And as we come right now to communion, we remember the power of his example. Jesus laid down his life for us taking the very nature of a servant so that we too might live lives of service for others, humbling ourselves, following the power of his example, serving one another in Jesus' name. Amen.